Veterans Path, helping veterans find peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor through practical tools like meditation and mindfulness, physical and outdoor experiences, and a community of camaraderie. I'm John McCaskill, a Navy SEAL commander turned mindfulness teacher. Here on the Veterans Path podcast, I interview veterans, athletes, corporate leaders, and many others who found peace through the practices of meditation and mindfulness, breaking down the stigma of pursuing mental health and making it a priority, improving and saving lives. All right. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good day. I'm John McCaskill, your host, and thanks for tuning in to the Veterans Path podcast. This podcast is just a piece of what we do. Veterans Path is actually a nonprofit working to introduce veterans and active service members to meditation and mindfulness, typically in outdoor settings, so they can rediscover a sense of peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor. And that's where the word path in our name comes from. And the point of this podcast is to make people more aware of what we do to increase support of Veterans Path, increase attendance at our retreats so we're able to help more veterans, and finally to reduce the stigma around mindfulness and meditation and seeking mental health support. Listeners and viewers, if you're enjoying the show, please give us a review or a like and share the show with anyone and everyone you think could benefit from our message. Also, you can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. All right, today I am so very honored to have as my guest, Dr. Richard Miller. Richard is a clinical psychologist, author, research, researcher, and yogic scholar. He has devoted 47 years to integrating Western psychology and neuroscience with the Eastern non-dual wisdom teachings of yoga, Taoism, Buddhism, and the Judeo-Christian traditions. He's the developer of the research-based Integrative Restoration, or IREST, meditation program. Richard is the founding president of the Integrative Restoration Institute, the co-founder of the International Association of Yoga Therapists, and the past founding president of the Institute for Spirituality and Psychology. He has also authored several books. He's authored I-REST Meditation, the I-REST Program for Healing PTSD, and Yoga Nidra, the Meditative Heart of Yoga. Richard leads retreats and trainings internationally, emphasizing enlightened living in daily life. We're going to learn a lot more about Richard here on today's episode of Veterans Path Podcast. All right, welcome back. As mentioned in the intro, my guest today is clinical psychologist, author, researcher and yogic scholar, Dr. Richard Miller. Sir, welcome to the show. How are you? Well, thank you, John. Nice to be here with you. I'm, uh, I am so honored to have you on the show with me today. As I mentioned uh, just before we hit record, I've actually recently started the, the level one IRS training. So it's, it's even more special to have you with me here today. And uh, thank you again for being here. My pleasure. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll spare you the small talk and something that I've been doing recently is kicking off each episode with asking the guests how they're dealing with the COVID-19 crisis, but uh, I, will, I will skip that for today because I want to spare you your time. Uh, I know you're, you're busy and, and I very much value value your time. So just actually one little insertion there. Oh, I perfect. think of a better time for people to be accessing the teachings that we bring forward through our IRES programs 
because it really is designed for meeting challenging times so that we're not just surviving through them, but we're actually thriving. And this is a really important aspect of our whole program to help people thrive through difficult times, as well as through the good times, obviously. Oh, yes, absolutely. Well, thank you for that. I, I appreciate that injection. And we'll definitely get into an explanation of your programs and how they do help people thrive through crisis and, and trauma. So um, I wanted to start with you personally. How did you start the journey that you've been on for the past 47 years? How did you actually get started down this path? I have to go all the way back to a boyhood because I spent a lot of time in nature or in the woods. When I was uh, five and six, there weren't any locks on our doors. And I would just go out and we, were, we lived out in the country. So I would walk through the woods and it helped me <clears throat> have a sense of ground, I would say, in relationship with the earth. Later on in my teenage years, as can happen to teenagers, I began to separate from myself. I had the feeling of not knowing how to navigate this social thing that we were supposed to do. And I began to come into a, a, just a low-grade depression and a sense of isolation. When I happened to move to San Francisco, I happened to take a yoga class as a way of thinking to meet some people who might be like-minded. And during the first class at the end, the woman gave us all what I now know was a rudimentary yoga nidra meditation. I walked out of that class that evening. The depression had completely gone. All sense of isolation was gone. I felt reconnected with myself. And as I walked home, a sense of reconnecting to, I would say, everything around me. And so it was a powerful experience that made me wonder, one, what just happened? What was this meditation we did? How can I learn more? And how can I meet people who can teach it to me? That really set me off on a path, both as a clinical psychologist who was learning the art of how to do psychotherapy and this path of meditation. And it happened my first mentor back in 1973 had just arrived from the Far East. She was a clinical psychologist herself, but had grown up learning yoga from her mother and in a Buddhist community but also very well-versed in all the different traditions, uh, we might say from Judeo-Christianity to Buddhism. So I had the most opportune moment for about five years of studying with this woman and then subsequent teachers. Along the way, I started really learning and studying this program of Yoga Nidra, which eventually morphed into, as you called it, Integrative Restoration IRES. And it's been a almost 50-year journey now, and I'm amazed how it's grown. We're in uh, almost every country now worldwide. Uh, to date, we've trained about 7,000 teachers. So wow. people, wherever they are can get access now to either a teacher in person or through these online uh, trainings and immersions and workshops that we're offering. That's fantastic. Uh, great to hear. And I know that Veterans Path 
is uh, is going to be benefiting from from uh, the the scholarships that the the, the program has been so good to to give to uh, myself and some of the other uh, facilitators for Veterans Path. Yes. Um, and I and I definitely again want to get into how iRest is helping with PTSD, but uh, you mentioned Yoga Nidra there, and I <clears throat> I want to start with that as the foundation, and even back up further. When, when people hear the word yoga, a lot of people just associate that with exercise or stretching, and they talk about or think about the physical benefits. Can you tell us what yoga actually means, means to you, and then further what yoga nidra is? When I'm on a plane traveling somebody and somebody asks me, so what do you do? And I say, if I say I teach yoga, they'll always say, oh, I need to exercise more. <laughs> if I say I teach meditation, they say, oh, I need to learn how to relax more. But if I say I teach IRS, they say, well, what's that? And now I have an entryway. <laughs> nice. Yoga for me, while it encompasses the physical aspects and the breath and other it's really a regimen for training our mind and for becoming familiar with how our body, mind, senses work. Yoga, the word actually means to me uh, an embodied felt sense, an experience we're having, a feeling connected deeply to ourself and to everyone and everything around us, where we don't feel a sense of separation from everything. And the word nidra, while in Sanskrit it means sleep, it refers to a changing state of consciousness. So yoga nidra refers to a grouping of practices that help us feel deeply connected, whatever the changing state of consciousness we're experiencing. So we could be in joy, in grief, we could be experiencing PTS or PTSD. We could be going through a challenging situation like many are now with COVID. And yet the teachings help us feel within ourselves and anchor into an unbreakable sense of well-being that gives us the ground to navigate whatever experience we're having. So yoga nidra is actually a process that we engage. And why I like it so much is it's independent of philosophy. It doesn't try to impose some teaching on someone. It gives us a series of inquiries that we can explore ourselves. And so what I've found, because I teach all over the world with so many different populations, whether a person is a yoga person oriented, a Buddhist, a Christian, a Jew, a Muslim, they all say it is enhancing their own understanding of their own underlying religion and philosophy. I love how it supports people into their own understanding. That's great because one of the questions that I get quite often is uh, meditation and mindfulness uh, isn't that Buddhism and uh, you know some people who may be Christians or some other religion feel that they cannot practice because that's their that's their foundation. Uh, what I like to say it is similar in a way to Christian contemplative practices which are again are designed to interiorize our attention and come to our own firsthand understandings where ultimately we're free from the, uh, any teacher or teaching. We're really walking the talk 
of the path that we're work, walking. So if it's in a path of Christianity, say, we're not just going to church on Sunday. We're in church 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. We're walking the talk. And that's what the path of yoga is helping us to walk our talk, whomever we're with, wherever we are, and whatever the circumstance. That's beautiful. I love it. Uh, in the intro, I use the word non-dual. Um, can you tell us what that is and why it's so important? <clears throat> Many of the teachings emphasize, in a way, a, a, a transcendent aspect where we're trying to move beyond our limitations to experience a higher spirit or a higher relationship with God or some understanding of what consciousness is. Non-dual means that we have both that ability to understand what we might call something, a higher power, a force that is living us, that we're born out of, we might say. But we walk in a path of duality where I'm looking at you, you're over there, I'm over here. Um, I'm looking around their trees, their rocks, their mountains, their other people. They all look separate from me. So just as I was saying with the word yoga, non-dual means our ability to experience both at the same time. An underlying spiritual perspective that allows us to feel connected wherever we are with nature, with other people, and that ability to also be able to be each a unique expression. So you're over there with your personality, your way of being in the world. I'm over here with my personality and way of being in the world. So that's the duality where there's a sense of separation. The non-dual is an underlying feeling that there is no separation. So yoga nidra as a practice is helping us connect, I would say, both to the underlying essence from which we both share while respecting the differences and really celebrating the differences and learning how not just to celebrate them, but to be a really fully actuated, individuated human being. So we're really on friendly terms with our body, our senses, our emotions. We're responsive, not reactive while we also have this underlying sense of compassion, connectedness, love, from which we all share. And just following that up, and I know you're going to get to it, but I thought I'd interject it here, which is when I went to the military, or the military came to me in 2004 and asked to do research, they said, can you lose this word yoga nidra? Because we're military, we do mission. We don't do meditation. We don't do yoga. That's, I have a wonderful Marine saying that's for sissies. <laughs> so they asked me to call it something else. So I came up with integrative restoration. Integrative because I think it helps us become an integrated human being, really operating on our full, at our full capacity. And restoration because it restores us to this underlying spiritual essence that we all have in common, that we can share together. And back in 2004, everything was iRest and iPhone, so why not iRest? 
I was I was going to ask if there was a connection. iPad and iPhone, so I not iRes, and with a little I, where we're putting the ego in its proper place with respect to that restoration into that underlying essence or presence that we all share in common. And then the military said, "Hey, we can do iRes." <laughs> that's uh, that's perfect. Uh, I love. I love the tying into kind of the social culture at the time with, like you mentioned, iPads, iPhones, um, and then the lowercase I kind of taking the ego out of it. Uh, that's fantastic. And and you you're right. That was going to be one of my next questions: is is how how you were bringing that to the military? How did how did it actually come to the military? Uh, or rather, how did how did it become known that IRS was going to be helpful in treating PTS among service members? Uh, Walter Reed Army Medical Center was running a deployment health clinical center where they were working with returning veterans from war fronts or from just military service who had severe trauma, PTSD uh, injuries, and. As part of their program, they were having a cardiac care program. And one of my teachers happened to be teaching when one of the researchers from Walter Reed sat in on the class to see that was what was going on. And she was so struck by the possibility that this could have tremendous effect with returning veterans with PTSD. They asked the teacher, Robin Carnes, if she would consider doing a research project. Robin called me up and said, you've never met me. I've been reading your books. I'm teaching out of your manuals. Would you train me? So we entered into a two-year training program, and Robin and I ended up bringing forward what was a very successful program treating returning veterans with PTSD, so successful that at the end of the program, they immediately instituted the IRS program as part of the healing path. So to this day, what we're in 2020, anybody going through a healing regimen through Walter Reed or the Deployment Clinical Center can, as an option of their healing, have access to our program. And then from there, Miami picked up a VA, picked up a study, Brook Army Medical Center, we've done three studies there. We're now in some 50 to 80 VA sites throughout the United States. I've also been meeting with the Canadian military, the Australian military. They're interested in integrating it as well as the British military. So it's become very successful, I think, because it's accessible. It doesn't interfere with a person's beliefs, philosophy, or religion. And it supports this path of both healing, but also health. And I think strongly it provides us i call it tools for life and the owner's manual we didn't get as kids how do i deal with difficult emotions difficult memories like what happens when someone is under stress or military service what happens when we're in a car accident or a plane accident it's teaching us the skills with which to navigate these kind of difficult situations and we've done a lot of research now, 35, six studies with PTSD, anxiety, depression, people going through cancer treatment with long-term illnesses like multiple sclerosis. And we even did a study at Brook Army Medical Center with couples because we know when one or both uh, military are in service, 
who are married, the divorce rate skyrockets. So we were looking at how can we enhance the well-being of couples to really help them nourish their relationship in and amidst the stresses that they were undergoing. So we've had success in all of our studies. It's been a wonderful adventure for me seeing how this small program that I started with just myself, now we have a nonprofit with nine full-time staff, about 20 supervisors and trainers, and then 7,000 teachers all over the world. And then obviously thousands upon thousands of people who are just learning the program for themselves. Sure, I'm sure that is uh, incredibly uh, inspiring for you to know that that program that you started uh, such a while ago and, uh, and then with no intent of it being what it is today, and now seeing what it has, in fact, transformed into. You know, as we're talking, I'm, I'm remembering there are all these wonderful memories of people who've come to me, but some of the military, there was a fellow in our Miami study who said, I've been through a lot of programs to try to help me with my PTSD, and they all emphasized what was wrong with me. You're the first program that started by helping me see what's right with me, and he said, knowing what's right with me, I'm more willing to face my nightmares. But if all I'm looking at is what's wrong with me, I don't want to do that. And we have lots of testimonials like that. So many have come and said after their first, second, or third IRS practice, I got my first good night's sleep since Iraq or since Vietnam. Or we had people from the Korean War and a couple from World War II. And they all said, I'm starting to sleep for the first time. So we know the benefits that come. Right, yeah, I mean, that's a powerful testimony or several power, powerful testimonies to the effectiveness of the program. Um, physiologically, can you explain what happens to someone when they are exposed to trauma? When we're under any kind of stress or duress, our limbic system in the, in the core center midline of our brain there are a number of structures here, two of which are really relevant here, uh, the amygdala and the hippocampus. When we're under stress, even short-term stress, but when we're under long-term stress or there's some kind of traumatic event that happens, that amygdala, which is responsible for us processing emotions and imagery and memories, it lights up and unfortunately, it starts to light up in a way that it doesn't turn off. We're designed as human beings to go through an event, store whatever we don't process during the event, because an, a, an event like trauma pushes so much information into us so quickly, we can't process it. So it stores us in our body, but we're designed later on when we're back in a safe situation to reprocess that information, shake it off and move forward. But if we're in too much of a trauma or the stress keeps coming time after time, or like what happens to many military, they go out, they have a trauma, they go out again, another trauma, and it just uh, builds. That amygdala system stays turned on. And what happens is we begin to be held hostage by our emotions, the memories, the flashbacks, and the hippocampus, which is responsible for giving us perspective and the ability in a way to work through these situations, it actually, we can see it in an MRI shrinks and it begins to get deregulated 
the amygdala as a structure we actually see can grow larger. When we go through these processes, say like iRest, they're designed to help us reprocess the unprocessed material. And we can actually see over time the amygdala coming back to normal, the hippocampus coming back to normal, a person regaining perspective, and the ability to move through and process the unprocessed emotions, memories, where I've had people at times say, I've processed so much, it's like, was I really through that trauma? Did it really happen? Other people, because trauma can be so severe, they may have lasting effects through their lifetime, especially if there's been traumatic brain injury and other accompanying injuries. We're giving them the tools then to, to meet the reoccurring flashbacks or sleeplessness that may arise from time to time. So for instance, if somebody has pretty much processed through their PTSD, but they happen to be at a 4th of July fireworks, as someone did, and the fireworks go over, and then a helicopter flies over, it can re-trigger some material that never got processed. Sure. They've got the tools now. They've learned them to, to meet those images, the reoccurring memories, and process through them. So I liken our body and our mind kind of like one of these Pez dispensers. Did you ever have one of those as a kid? You know, you sure take did. one out and another one comes up. I had a big I, one. <laughs> yeah. So I think of that for all of us when we go through trauma or stress, we load a Pez machine and IRS helps us process each one of those Pezes. And as I say to some people, you get all the way to the end and you put the Pez machine down and you pick it up a couple of days later and for some reason somebody refilled it. <laughs> So we know there are lots of these stored memories and images. We process one at a time, the next one comes up, we have the tools to process it. And eventually for some people, the PEZ machine actually empties out and they're able to go back into the life, which when they came, so many people come to us from trauma saying, I feel broken. I feel disconnected. I feel something's wrong that I'll never be able to get back to where I was. And we're giving them the tools to process that and show them actually, this is the, the part of the program from the very first session, there's something about you that never got hurt, never got injured, doesn't need healing. We're gonna introduce you to this part within you of what we call wholeness. And from there, we're going to start to meet these injured parts that do need healing and fixing and changing. So we're actually doing our program not to get to a place of wholeness where we feel fixed. We're actually starting from that and doing the whole program from that. So that way people really do feel and they can recognize pretty quickly. It is true. I get to see now there was something about me that wasn't broken and doesn't need fixing. So we emphasize these two aspects. Part of the program when the person is doing it, this place of wholeness. And the other part is how do we fix the broken pieces? Nice. And like you mentioned, the, the one individual who came to you and, and mentioned they had never been told what was right with them. And uh, it's a much more difficult process to go through if all you're addressing is what's wrong. 
Yeah, and in that, in that brain structure, you know, we have that midline, but we have other places which uh, push us into what I call recursive negative thinking, where we can get caught in loops and we can't find our way out of them. There are simple techniques we teach that can shift a person right out of that into a whole nother part of their brain on the right lateral side of their brain, which allows them to step out of recursive negative thinking, gain insight, reconnection, and then learn how to nourish that part of their brain and actually grow those structures so that eventually while they may get caught every once in a while in a negative chain of thinking, they now have the tool with which to break out of it and shift, we might say, into a whole nother way of being that then when they come back, those looping thoughts have broken, they have insight into what was causing them a consternation, we might say, and they're able to move forward in their life. Beautiful. Um, some of the tools that are brought up in your, your book on the IRS program to heal PTSD, one of them, <clears throat> excuse me, that was of particular interest to me um, is the body sensing. And, and in the book, you tell a story about teaching IRS to a group of, of blind students. Can you tell that story to our listeners, uh, how it applied to body sensing, and then explain why it's so important? Back in the early 70s, I taught at an independent learning center for the blind where they were teaching uh, people who were blind how to live independently. So they each had an apartment and they were learning how to cook and fend for themselves. And they brought me in to teach a weekly IRES class. And I got to know all of them and we would go for walks and the corridors in this building were, were long. They were like 100 feet or more long. And then there'd be a, an iron door and they'd just be almost like running down the hallway and they'd stop right in front of the door, open the door and then run again. And then we were out for a walk one time and I said, so tell me, tell me what's, what do you sense around you? And he said, well, there's a building over there about a hundred yards and over there, there's another building and over there, there's an empty lot. And I said, how do you know that? And he said, well, we call ourselves, this is the name they had for their group, the bats. <laughs> and they, they had a great sense of humor. And they said, we can sense it through our body sensation. We have developed that ability to, to bring on a, on a heightened sense of awareness. In the IRS program, there's a large emphasis on awakening the body to its natural sensation because everything that comes to us, comes through the body, we need access to that information. So if we're feeling an emotion, a memory, a thought, if you're looking at a beautiful scene in nature, your spouse, everything affects our body. By gaining access to the body, we gain access to information as to how to meet each moment adequately, responsibly. Stress often turns us away from the body sensation. We get overwhelmed by the sensation. And many people say with chronic pain, they've actually turned off their body sensation because they don't want to feel it. So one of the first things we're doing through exercises of body sensing and breathing, we're helping them regain 
information that then they can use. So for instance, and you know through the training, if someone is experiencing an emotion, the first thing we're gonna say, well, where and how do you feel that in your body? And if you peel off the label and just stay with it as sensation, where's its center, where's its periphery? So we're helping people gain access to information that otherwise they don't have, may have not access to, that then they can't go through healing in an adequate way. And without sensing the body and having that available, I liken any program to being on the Titanic. You can rearrange the furniture. You can make everything look beautiful. Somebody hands you a wonderful drink with ice on it that in it that they just picked up off the deck. And there's a band playing, but the ship is still going down. Without having access to the body information, no matter what we do, we'll still feel something isn't right. Something hasn't fully been healed or fixed. And that's why we put so much emphasis on it right from the beginning. And we know that many people, especially people who've been in chronic pain, when they begin to gain access, that means information that's in the body is going to come forward. So we do like to take care, do it slowly, so a person doesn't get re-triggered, re-traumatized, or overwhelmed, and so that they can learn how to meet each arising sensation adequately and, and feel like they're working a continuum and have the ability to feel a sense of control. So many people with PTSD, I mean, that's another symptom. I feel out of control, helpless, hopeless. We're giving them the tools to regain that sense of self-regulation where they feel a sense of not just hope, but faith. Hope's an interesting word. If when we look it up in the dictionary, it's based on fear. I hope I'll get better, but I don't know whether I will. Faith and trust are very much predicated on the understanding, I am going to get better. Healing is going to happen in the way that it's designed to happen. And that's what we're trying to help people instill a great deep sense of trust and faith that they're going to get through this. That's powerful, the, the difference there between, if, between hope, trust, and faith. Well, I had this person come to me, had severe depression through their trauma. And in that first session, I helped them understand and embody a little bit, touch this feeling of wholeness. And then we started working on the depression. What was interesting, they came back for the second session a week later, and they said, I want you to know that feeling of wholeness disappeared pretty quickly, and the depression came back. But I, I, I left with a sense of faith and trust that I can now find a way through this. And that's what we did. Every session, we started with that sense of wholeness, and then we looked at how to help heal with the depression. And over time, the depression went away, and she, that person's a happy camper. I know them. They got a family, a job. They're doing just fine now. Their Pez dispenser's empty. Their Pez dispenser got <laughs> empty, and they had the tools in case somebody, my mistake, loads their Pez. <laughs> I love your analogies, uh, and the, the Titanic one is a, a great one as well, so I'm going to use that uh, down the line. Absolutely. <clears throat> um, again, when I mention mindfulness and meditation, something that I often get from people is, I don't have time to meditate or I'm not able to meditate. 
one of the core principles of iRest is to practice little and often. Can you tell us uh, about that and what that means? Yeah, little and often and 365 days a year, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. We're teaching little and often practices that can be done in as few as a few seconds or more formal practices where we may lie down or sit and take 15, 20, 30, 40 minutes. But I want people to know this is something that they can actually do in the midst of their daily activities. Yes, it's nice to have these formal practices where we turn off the phone and the computer and take a, a moment of quiet to learn them. That's important, especially initially when we're learning practices like this. But I was out driving this morning. I needed to do an errand. But as I'm driving, I'm actually feeling a sense of wholeness and well-being. I was out for a walk yesterday with my wife around the neighborhood. And with each step, I was taking a breath and reaffirming a sense of well-being and joy and wholeness. I like to tell people, uh, integrate different experiences you have during your day into your practice. For instance, if you drive, you're coming to stop signs and stop lights all the time. So the stoplight and the stop sign says, stop, take a moment, breathe, nourish your sense of well-being and wholeness, and then go through the green light. So we have, you know, 30 second, one minute, two minute, three minute, five minute practices that people can do, whether it's taking three breaths, or I can teach people very quickly to shift out of recursive negative thinking right into a moment of having potential insight and relaxation. These don't take a lot of time. Pragmatically, yeah. optimistically, pragmatically, yeah, we need to take some time and have the intention initially to learn the practices. But I want people right away to see, let's take them out into your life. And when I'm teaching people during a training, I actually have them lie down during the practices, sit up, stand up, and I like to encourage them to actually walk around the room. So they're learning to integrate it into every body position they're going to find themselves in. Otherwise, years ago when I was teaching meditation and we only did it sitting, people get really comfortable and relaxed and at ease. And then they got up, walk out of the room and start yelling at somebody. <laughs> you know, they kept their practice on the pillow. <laughs> you want to take it off the pillow and into life. And that's really where it it's designed to work. Yes, yes, absolutely. And that, that's why we do it. Um, with the stop sign, I actually thought you were going to turn that into an acronym when you said stop, take some time. I thought you were going to give me something for the O and the P. Maybe you can come up with something uh, down the right Let's line. Let's do that together. <laughs> <laughs> I like those acronyms. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. Well, this is this has been phenomenal. I, I again, I don't want to take too much of your time. Um, oh, I got I got stop, stop, uh, stop. Take a breath. Open to a moment of relaxation, and practice peace. Fantastic. <laughs> Maybe that'll be in your next book. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love it. <laughs> well, what uh, what aspects of of iRest uh, or Yoga Nidra? Uh, have we not discussed today that you want to make sure that we cover for, for the audience? 
Uh, I think uh, following up on what you were just saying, the availability, um, we have programs online, like the one you're taking, our online level one training. We have an immersion for people who don't want to learn how to teach it. They just want to learn it for their own practice. Then there are apps like um, Mindfulness Coach. We're integrating it into Mindfulness Coach. Mindfulness Coach is used right now by about 350,000 veterans. Really? It's a free app. They can go to Mindfulness Coach and they can access we should have them up and running almost any day. It's being built through the Palo Alto VA. So they can access 42 meditations that come from my book for free, or they can go to our website and access books, um, downloadable MP3s. Simple Habits, another app, it's free. I've got a number of IRS practices there and a 10 session course at a nominal fee. Uh, an insight timer. Again, I've got courses. So there's so much availability, whether we're willing and able to go to a class and find an actual teacher in the area where we live or in the comfort of our own home. I know so many vets I've met who say don't want to go to a VA and get labeled. They want something in the comfort of their own home. And that's why we're designing these programs. So they can heal in the comfort of their own home. And we're doing the research so that we can show whether you're in an, an, a live in-person class or you're learning it through an online program or an at-home MP3, you're gonna get similar benefits if you stay with the program. So it's the accessibility that I think is really, really important. And Absolutely. that accessibility because we're now in VA centers, but rec centers, yoga centers, our, our program is in many prisons, both here and in uh, Great Britain. So we're really trying to bring it to different populations. I, I've done many studies with homeless populations. A lot of veterans are homeless. I used to give them, I would purchase uh, uh, simple CD players and give them the CD, give them the earphones and say, you know, you, you don't have a home. Go, go under a tree, wherever you are, go to your car, listen to the program and get the benefit wherever you are and whatever your circumstance. Beautiful. Well, thank you for doing what you've been doing and thank you for doing what you're continuing to do. Uh, well, I, it's that mutuality because veterans pass. Uh, I'm so familiar with it because my friend Lee Lesser helped start it years ago. And right. Now, instrumental in moving it forward and we'll be working together closely so that's what we're looking for is people like you who learn it and then teach people who are like-minded well thank you for that Absolutely. Richard if uh, if people if the listeners wanted to reach out to you to find out more about you I rest or yoga nidra what's the best way for them to contact you irest.org is our website just put in I rest you'll either come to a massage chair or you'll come to a computer armrest or you'll come to our website irest integrative restoration so irest or irest.org is our nonprofit gateway perfect well richard uh, again uh, such an amazing honor to have had you here with me today thank you again for your time um, sharing your knowledge your wisdom with me and our audience i cannot thank you enough Oh, it's my delight. Thank you, John, for having Thank me. Thank you. And uh, until we speak again, stay safe and stay healthy.
Yes, indeed. All right. For our listeners and viewers, thank you again for listening to or watching our show. Please check out Veterans Path online at veteranspath.org. We too are on social media. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. If you're enjoying the podcast, please hit the subscribe button here on the podcast or here on YouTube. Leave us a comment, a review, a like, and again, share it with anyone you feel needs to hear our message. And remember, you can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. Thank you all and have a blessed day. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Veterans Path Podcast. Please follow us on social media and think about sharing your story with us there and potentially on the show. Together, we can make mental health a priority, improving and saving lives.